Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, A.J. Hogue, where A.J.'s more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's A.J. with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. Hello and welcome to the Effortless English Show. Speak English fluently. Achieve an advanced level of English speaking. Learn to live your dream life. Learn my best techniques and methods for success in all parts of your life. Join my VIP program. Try it for $1 at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. That is EffortlessEnglishClub.com. We have a problem. Let me describe the problem to you with a story from my own life. You know, for much of my youth, so I'm talking about when I was a teenager, in my 20s, even somewhat in my early 30s, I never felt, you know, inside, I never felt like a man. I always felt like I was still a boy, even though I was, let's say, 25 years old, 26 years old. I would still feel like I was a boy, like not completely a man yet, not completely an adult. And I realized this was quite strange in a way, that there was something strange about it because, you know, my own father, you know, he was a dad. He was a father. He was the the leader of a family at age 22, 22, 23. And I thought of my own dad, and I thought of his life at my age, let's say when I was 30, and I still had very little responsibility, still kind of felt like, acted like a boy, whereas I thought of my dad at that age as being very much a man, a very responsible man with a with a career and a family. When I first started feeling more like a man, it was probably in my late 20s. See, up until then, you know, I'd been in school. I'd been in school so much. I went to, of course, high school until I was 18 years old. Then I immediately went to university for my undergraduate degree. So that was until I was uh, 23. Three actually, because I had a, I had, a, I took a short break of one semester, and I took a long time and took lots of extra classes. So I graduated with an undergraduate degree when I was around twenty-three years old, and then I still I didn't know what to do with my life. So here I was, twenty-three years old, same age as my dad. My dad at that age was working a full-time job. He had me, I know, a baby at that time. He was married. Me, I was just. Just getting out of school and kind of no idea what to do, no clue about what to do about my life, no direction, couldn't make any decisions. Eventually, I just got a, a few different part-time jobs. I was a security guard, for example, not making much money. On one hand, I was quite free, and I guess that was good, and I was thinking about my life, and that's when I really started to do a lot of extra reading 
on my own. Not not just for fun. Like when I was younger, I was reading books like Lord of the Rings, right? But then I started reading things like Tony Robbins and and other things like that. When, after I got graduated, and it was a really hard time from in my life, I was actually quite depressed because it was a huge shock to me, a huge shock because my whole life I had been a student in school, right? Passive. My whole life since, you know, age, what, five or six, something like that, I had been in schools and you know, just go to class and then the teachers would tell me what to do. You must read these books. You must write these papers. You have a test coming up next week. So everything was just, you know, told to me what to do. And I just passively followed along. Now, it's funny. Sometimes I'm people on, uh, I've had a couple people on Twitter ask me if I, uh, if I had trouble in school because I seem to hate school so much, but it was quite the opposite. I always found school to be very, very easy. I had really good grades, very good grades, and it was sort of effortless for me. I didn't, I didn't need to make much effort to get good grades. So I was kind of bored, but on the other hand, lazy. It made me lazy because, okay, I could get these good grades, so I, so I felt like it looked like, oh, I'm achieving something. Look, I'm successful. I'm being a good boy. I'm getting good grades. I got my degree. And I didn't have to really do much actively. I just passively did what I was told. So when I got out of school, suddenly, oh, everything changed. Suddenly, no one was there to tell me what to do. What should I do with my life? And I had no idea. And then, of course, I had massive pressure. School was over. I had to make some money. I had to pay for rent. I had to feed myself. So I, I got out there. I got jobs that I really hated. I didn't like the jobs at all. I, I All those years of school had made me kind of lazy and weak. Didn't know what to do. I was miserable. I was depressed. After a couple of years of this, I uh, reading a lot and doing a lot of thinking, I finally decided, I made one decision. I decided, well, you know what? I want to do something helping people because I realized I was very interested in psychology, coaching, you know, that kind of thing, helping people solve problems, helping uh, people be more effective. I wanted to do that for myself. Honestly, I wanted to learn those skills for myself so that I could motivate myself and uh, achieve success in my own life. And then I also wanted to help other people. So I wanted to make a contribution, in other words. I wanted to contribute. So I finally decided to go back to school, get a master's degree in social work. Because, you know, social work is is one of the professions where, supposedly, you're, you're helping people and making a contribution. So I went back to school again after just two years out on my own, miserable years. Once again, back in school again, this time grad school. Two more years of school. When I finally graduated with a master's degree in social work, I was 27 years old. And pretty much the whole time I had still been a student. And so I think that's one of the main reasons I still felt like a boy. I hadn't gone out there and done anything. That's when my life started to change, though. 
Because at that point, I finally, finally started making some decisions. Finally started being responsible for my own life. And I started taking more risks. See, during my master's degree in the middle, in the summer, I traveled abroad for the first time. I went to India. I've talked about that trip in other shows. So I went to India and then that changed my life because that was a huge experience for me because, as I said, I had been passive. I'd basically been acting like a boy, not being responsible for my life very much, not making decisions, not strong, not confident. But when I went to India by myself for a few months... I had to do everything by myself. I was in this strange place that I didn't know anything about. And quite honestly, it was very stressful sometimes and very difficult. India was and probably still is a very challenging place to travel alone with no money, with very little money. Uh, but it was a great experience because I had to finally, you know, I had to plan everything. I had to get around. I had to, to, to negotiate with people when I was buying things. I had to deal with, uh, thieves, people trying to steal from me, people who were trying to cheat me all the time. Uh, I, I ended up in the hospital for a few days and, and survived that. Uh, all kinds of big challenges. But so when I came back from that, I was like, whoa, my whole world changed. First of all, I felt more like an adult finally because I'd gone off and done this myself, challenged myself and, and succeeded. Uh, and But the other thing is that I was also so excited because I felt like I had learned so much and grown so much and I, I wanted it. I wanted more. So after I graduated, immediately after graduating, I got a job in Korea teaching English, my very first job teaching English. Another story I have told before in the show. And that also was a, a very tough, challenging experience, but again, one that really pushed me into finally becoming an adult. So I would say, I don't know, 27, 28 years old before I even started to become an adult. That's a problem. That is just weird. But you know what's strange is, and what's sad, it's not just me. It wasn't just me. Most of my generation were quite similar. I mean, yes, some everybody's different, so some people did you know, become much more responsible and make decisions and start accomplishing things and moving forward in their lives, becoming self-reliant and independent much earlier than me. But but the sad part is other people in my generation still at my age now in their late 40s still act like children. So I'd say I'm probably average for my generation. It gets worse. Because the generation after me, the millennials, as they are called, even worse, they're so childish, right? They're so weak. They're so dependent. They're they're so passive. They're childish. Each generation is getting weaker. And each generation, they remain children for longer and longer. Now, in America, at least, in the United States... It's normal, you know, for someone in their mid-20s until they're 30, even in their early 30s, still thinking and and very much acting like children. So why is this happening? It's not a good thing. Let's talk about the history of this, because this is actually super unnatural. This is a very, very unnatural situation, but it's not random. 
This was designed, this was created. We can call it extended childhood, right? Where people remain children or have a childlike mentality longer and longer and longer and longer, older and older and older and older. This was designed back in around 1900, so about 120 years ago. So I'm just going to talk about the United States because I know the history in America. Similar things happened in Europe, I believe, earlier and all over the world now. But let's, let's just look at the United States, how this happened. Before 1900 in the United States, this situation was completely weird, strange, did not happen. If you look into the history of America before the 1900s, here's what we find. People became adults around age 14. 14 years old, they were expected to be adults. At the age of 14, most people began to work. Now, a lot of people own their own farms, so they would become farmers and maybe helping out their family, or they would have their own farm at age 14, or they would start their own business at age 14. And most people before 1900 in America, most people were not, not employees. No, they were like, they were self-employed. So maybe they owned a small business, or they, maybe they owned a little farm, maybe they went out and they were, they would hunt. And that's how they would and sell the sell the meat and make money that way. But they were not working for other people directly, not as employees. They were self-employed. And this was true for both for both boys and girls, men and women. Women also around age fourteen typically would get married and start having children. Maybe having children about a year later. You know, even as late, you know, we looked at, uh, I talked about Louis L'Amour, the, the writer. He wrote about westerns and cowboys and stuff. You know, he says, so this, he was, a uh, he was writing about his childhood more back, like in the 1920s, so about 20 years after this. And he, even for him, at age 14 or 15, he left home and he got a job on a ship and he started working from that and the rest of his life he was working. So this whole idea of, of teenagers and adolescents, we call it, did not exist in America before 1900. So what happened? Where did it come from? Well, I've just been, I've been watching some YouTube videos, reading some books, doing some research about this. It was created. And who created it, do you think? Well, it was certain families, the super rich, the Rockefeller family. They started in oil, and then they also went into banking. The Carnegie family, Andrew Carnegie, banking, railroads. The Vanderbilts, right? These, these, the same families that still own all the big banks now that are still running the country. See, these guys decided, they got together these big industrial families because they, they, for the first time in America around 1900, the early 1900s, a few families were super, super, super rich because of the industrial revolution. And as they became super rich, they also became super powerful. And they decided that American culture needed to change, that society needed to change, 
that people were too independent. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to create a new economy where most people would be employees working for them, right? Henry Ford, another, the Ford family, another family, a little bit later than 1900, but same idea. So they wanted people to stop being so independent, self-employed, and they wanted to make most people employees. In other words, they wanted people to stop being so independent and to become dependent, to become dependent on them, on their companies. And they wanted to make people, number one, employees, dependent, and number two, consumers, consumers, so they would buy more and more and more stuff from their companies. So they all agreed that this was what they wanted. They wanted that kind of society, that kind of economy. So they there were a lot of books. They hired a lot of experts and psychologists and philosophers and, and people to figure out how could they do this. And finally, they figured it out. Schools. School. Forced schooling. Forced schooling. They would use schools to extend childhood. They decided that the secret was to... Train people, train children to remain children longer and longer, to remain weaker, more dependent, more passive, right? They wanted to train them. So then if they had a more childlike mentality, if they remain children for a longer and longer time, well, then they would become employees and they're easier to control. And they finally decided the best way to do that was with forced schooling. Because before that, there was also not forced schooling in America. You went to school or not. It was up to your parents. Some people learned at home. Lots of people just learned at home, homeschooled. Some people, they sent them to a little local school, maybe private, um, maybe run by the town or the church or whatever. They went for a few years, and then they learned independently after that. But not this, this bureaucracy, this industrial school system we have now. They created that in the early 1900s. They also decided that they would try to stop people from working. They would force them to wait longer and longer until they were older and older until they could work. And they used the excuse of, you know, child labor. Oh, we got to protect the children from working. And certainly there were some uh, bad things happening with child workers. That That's certainly true. But these guys also realized, well, if we prevent them from working, then they can't be independent. So then they'll be 16 years old, 17 years old, but still dependent, still thinking and acting like children. And then they started pushing for more and more and more and more and more people to go to college and to make college kind of dumber, more stupid, more easy. So that, again, the kids, the people, would remain students, would remain as kind of children into their 20s now, until they were 22 or 23 years old. And it worked. They did it. They did it. You can do the research yourself. You can find out about the early history of of schools and forced schooling and education and industrial education and all of that back in the 1900s. Early 1900s, it's all there to read. They, they wrote openly about what they were doing. And they succeeded. And now we see it more and more and more now. Of course, more recently, uh, especially back, I'd say, in the 1950s, 
1960s, the next strategy, they created what's called a, a youth culture, a teenage culture, right? Where teenagers have a different kind of music, a different kind of culture, different kind of TV shows, different kinds of movies just for them. Again, designed to keep them thinking like children instead of being full adults at age 15. Most 15-year-olds now, everywhere in the world, still act like kids. They still act like kids. They don't make their own decisions. They're kind of weak. They still ask their parents for everything. They're passive. They, they read a lot of childish stuff. They act very childish. I understand. I did, too. I did, too. I didn't realize at the time I was being trained. <laughs> now I understand. And this is created, by the way, this is what has created the, the so-called generation gap. Again, this is something more recent. There was no generation gap back in the early 1900s and before. But generation gap means like a, a gap is like a space. So it's like a separation between generations. See, now we think it's normal. We think it's normal that a 15-year-old kid, see, we call him a kid. We, we think of them as children, 16-year-old kid. We, we think it's normal that they will rebel against their parents, that they might have a maybe a bad relationship with their parents. We think it's normal that a 15 or 16-year-old person uh, has trouble socializing with people who are older, people who are maybe 25 or 35 or 45, that they're not very good at talking to them, that they don't know how to act around you know mature adults, that they're not able to make great decisions and act responsibly. We think that's normal. It's not normal. We also think it's normal that that each generation will like completely different music and have like a completely different culture and they'll think the old people are are stupid and foolish. And they'll act kind of rude towards the old people. Again, that's not normal. That started again, that was started it started in the Early 1900s, it became very strong in the 1950s and 60s in the United States. It's happening everywhere in the world now. I see it happening in Thailand, sadly, uh, even more recently. When I first went to Thailand, the children were very respectful of their uh, parents and people who were older. There was I didn't get the feeling there was a big generation gap. Now I get the feeling there's much more that the younger people, the teenagers, are carrying around cell phones all the time and they have their own little culture and their own mute, kind of stupid music and all that stuff. And now there's become this separation. Why do they want a generation gap? The people who are the big bosses. Well, again, because you know, because kids are easy to Younger people are easier to control, especially if they still remain children for a long time, right? If they still think like children when they're 20, they're easier to control. It's easier to lie to them. It's easier to uh, get them to believe stupid, crazy things that you want them to believe. If they still think like children, if they're not acting and thinking like adults. It's also easier to control young people if you separate them from their older generations, right? If you if you create a break between their parents' generation and them, well, then they can't learn from their parents. They stop learning from their parents. They, they don't get the wisdom of experience. The parents have more years on earth. They're wiser. They're smarter. The grandparents even more. 
So if you create a separation, now the kids think, oh, I'm cool. I don't have to listen. Grandpa's stupid. Dad, dad and mom are crazy. They're just old, right? If you can create that attitude so that someone who's 20 or 18 or 16 thinks like that, well, then where do they get their information? Instead of from the parents, instead of getting it from the grandparents or the parents or their uncles and aunts, they get it from the media, the media and the schools. And so they grow up thinking like socialism's a great idea and free speech is bad and all the stuff we're starting to see now in America. It's terrible. It's terrible. And they just remain weak, 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 independent. I say we go back. I think it's time that we go back, that we undo this and that we start treating people as full adults and training them to be full adults and expecting people to be full adults around the age of 14. I think that is the natural thing. I think that that is the natural way for, that we have had as human beings for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It was a bad idea to change it. It was a bad idea to follow the Rockefellers and the Carnegies and the Vanderbilts and all these other, and the Rothschilds and the rest. Very bad idea. So here's my advice. For young people out there, you young people who listen to me, you're probably teenagers. I think most younger people who listen to me are, you know, in their early 20s or maybe they're teenagers, 15, 16, 17, 18, something like that. Here's my advice to you. Stop being a child. Stop thinking like a child. Stop acting like a child. Grow up. Be an adult. Start making decisions. How do you become an adult? You become an adult by making decisions, taking actions, and being responsible, accepting what happens. You learn from it, and then you make another decision. You act. You become independent. You become the boss of your own life. Now, some of you, I know, are going to complain, Oh, I can't. My parents won't let me. Eh." It's not about your parents letting you. You don't need anyone to let you. You don't need permission to do this. You just do it. That's what adults do. Adults don't wait for permission. They just do it. So stop complaining that, oh, you don't like school and, you oh, I don't want to study this or that. So fine, go learn other things. Do it. Become an active learner. Make the decisions. Take action. That's how you become an adult. Don't wait for your parents' permission. Don't ask them. Don't argue with them. Oh, I want to be an adult. Oh, you don't let me do anything. Just do it. Show them. Show them through action that you are an active learner, that you are learning and becoming successful through your own actions and decisions, that you are responsible, that you're taking more and more responsibility, that you are independent, that you're a decision maker, you're a decision maker. Start a business, get a, get a part-time job, stop living off your parents, make some money yourself. You can do it, you can do it at age 14, you can do it at age 15, 16. Could do, you could start something online. You could do some little small thing locally where you're selling stuff to people. There's, all, there's many, many, many things you could do. So just do it. See, and then when you do that, when you start, here's the thing. You know, so many teenagers, they, they complain. Sometimes on Twitter, people complain, oh, my parents, they won't let me do this. Uh, you know what? 
it's not about arguing. You, you convince your parents by showing them. You become an adult when you just say, I'm an adult, and you make decisions, and you take responsibility for your actions. And you take action. You're independent. You're your own boss, and you just do it. You act like it. You do it. You show people. When you do that, everyone will start respecting you, and they will treat you like an adult. If you complain and whine, and then you're still acting like a child. Everyone will treat you like a child. Now, older people out there, especially parents, we also have a job. And our job is to stop treating our children like they are children forever. I know it's hard. You want them to be little babies forever. I know. I know it's scary. But you know what? When they hit around, when they reach around age 14 or 15 as a parent, you need to start treating them like an adult. How do you do that? You just expect them to be responsible. You expect them to be self-reliant and independent. You expect them to start making money somehow. Say, look, you can get a get a part-time job or start some kind of little business, but you need to start taking care of yourself now. You expect them to be independent learners, not just go to school and do what they're told. You expect them to start making decisions, figuring out what they want to do. Don't wait till they're 22 or 18 or 19. No, they should start making these decisions early. They should be reading lots of books independently outside of school. You should be encouraging them to do things at home. They should be like a, a, a full adult responsible member of your house, right? So it means they should create some of the meals, you know, a couple one or two times a week, they should cook a meal for the whole family. They should be doing their own laundry, cleaning their own part of the house. They should be like, you know, an equal member. They should be learning financial literacy. They should be able to handle money, have a checking account. Right? Don't hold them back. I think the reason that, you know, in America, I think many places in the world, there's this... We have this thing this of rebellion where teenagers rebel, right? Teenagers have a bad attitude and they're always fighting and arguing. And Well, you know what? I think the reason is that inside they know. Inside they know something's wrong. Inside they know that they should be adults by now. But everyone around them is trying to keep them children. And they themselves are afraid to just become adults and just to do it. And they're not quite sure how to do it. And no one is around to help them or guide them. Everyone's trying to hold them back. Wait till you're 20. Wait till you fit, graduate from college. Then you'll be an adult. Ah, they're ready already. They're ready at 14 or 15. So parents, you need to have this mentality with your kids. Hey, age 14 or 15, man, come on. Louis Lamore, age 15. He's, he's on a ship working with a bunch of, uh, you know, tough old sailors sailing all around the world doing hard physical work. He was also a, a boxer, a amateur boxer. This guy, he's only 15. And there's just, there's so many stories of 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds from the past. If you go back about 100 years, it's, these are common stories. So let's, let's just stop this whole thing, this whole extended childhood, extended adolescence, because our, our kids... You, if you're young, or if you're a parent, your kids will have such 
richer lives, so much more success, so much more happiness, so much more strength, so much more confidence in life if they just start when they're 14 instead of wasting 10 more years acting like children. Okay, it's Twitter time. Twitter time. Twitter questions, twitter.com. My account is AJ Hogue on Twitter. Okay, this is a question from Powerful Amir again. Um, when I read an article about history, for example, I have a basic idea. I have some idea about the story, but I'm not clear completely about it. Maybe I understand 40 or 50% of it. What should I do? Same with biographies. Okay, so if you only understand 40 or 50% of the vocab, that means it's probably too difficult. Now, you can maybe read a couple pages like that each day. You'll learn a lot of vocab probably. But it's not very enjoyable, and um, there is a better way, which is to read easier things. Just wait, put aside... Put aside the, the difficult biography, the difficult history book. Find something easier. What would be easier? Well, there's a few things I can recommend. Number one, there are a lot of great books written for young people, either children or youth, like around the ages of 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Lots and lots and lots and lots of books in English for that age group. And there are some very interesting books still, books about history, either historical fact or stories like historical fiction, but both very, very interesting. There are biographies written for that age group. You could probably even find some things about philosophy, certainly science. So you can find kind of uh, these same topics, but written for kids, younger people. They'll be easier, so read those. Read a lot of those. Your vocabulary will get better and better. And then eventually you'll be ready for the difficult books. Another thing you can do, for like, especially this is good for classic literature, you know, like classic, really classic books. Read graded readers. They're called graded readers. Graded readers are easier versions of classic books. So, for example, they might take a book, um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That's a famous uh, short story. Yeah, maybe the, maybe the, the original story is a bit difficult for you. So you can find a graded reader. It's an easier version of that same story. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is the same story, but they use easier vocab. Uh, the, the company, the publisher Penguin, they make a lot of these. There are other companies also do it, but I know Penguin does a lot of graded readers. So you can uh, do a search on Amazon.com, Kobo.com for graded readers and read those classic books, but reading the easier versions, the graded reader version. Again, that'll help you increase and improve your vocabulary until you're ready for you know the, the original, the more difficult version, the original version. All right, let's go for one more Twitter question. What do we got here? Um, okay, this is just a vocab question. 
I want to know when can I use the word need and want? Do they mean the same thing? Need and want? They do not mean the same thing. They di- mean different. So want means desire, right? I want, I want a cookie, right? It's just an emotion that you you feel, right? A desire for the cookie. Oh, it sounds good. It would be would taste good. Mmm, I want it. You don't need it though. Need is the idea that it's necessary. It's necessary, right? That you must have it for some reason. So if you are starving to death, you don't eat for two weeks. Well, then maybe you need the cookie, right? You need it or you need food is what you really need food, right? You need it. If you don't get it, you will die. That's need, right? It's necessary. If you want something, it's not necessary. You just It's just an emotion. You, just, you desire it, but it's not necessary. It's optional. That's the difference between those two words and how you use them. Okay, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Let's all grow up. Let's help our children grow up faster and be strong adults earlier in their life or lives. Become an advanced English speaker. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Have a great day. See you next time.